Well, what a great morning of worship today, and I am so glad that you're here, and uh, I know that God's got a word for all of us today. I'm incredibly uh, proud and thankful for our students, for uh, Drew's leadership, and, uh, and uh, we're just so grateful for you students, your investment. And uh, I am so grateful and thankful for those uh, counselor leaders that are here helping us this week. And uh, you're a super blessing to us, and thank you for investing in our students uh, this week. Amen? Amen. So uh, today, I invite you to, we're going to look at a very similar theme that y'all have been studying on uh, this weekend. And I want to think about um, a really a right perspective, a right perspective about who we are, who God has called us to be, about what is really of lasting value in our life, our purpose in life and how we need to live our life. This series of messages is about abundant life. The Bible tells us in John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. But I've come that you might have life, and that life abundant, full, and meaningful. God wants you to have, a, Christ came so that you might have an abundant life here and now, eternal life with him forever but a, a meaningful and purposeful and abundant life now. But the enemy to that abundant life is, the, uh, is Satan's desire to thwart you and to uh, diminish you and to hold you back from being all that God wants you to be. And over the course of the last several weeks, we'll look at things that hold us back from experiencing that abundant life. For instance, unforgiveness in our life or greed or unwillingness to serve and care for other people or pride and arrogance rather than humility. But when you have humility, when you forgive, when you serve, when you give, you're opening up, you're opening it up so that you might experience the fullness of the blessing of God. Now, one of the things today that we want us to look at is having a right perspective. When I get the wrong perspective, it holds me back from being all that God would have me to be. But when I have the right perspective, it uh, helps me to invest my life to make a difference here and now. We're going to look at several passages of Scripture. Do you have your Bible? I hope that you do. You can follow along on the screen and join, join me as we look at 1 John chapter number 3, beginning with verse 1. It says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now. Awesome. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him because we shall see Him as he is. And everyone who has this, this hope, it, uh, who thus hopes in him, purifies himself as he is pure. Philippians chapter two, 3, beginning with verse 12. Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider what I have made, that I have made it my own, but one, the, the one thing I do, 
forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many, of whom I've often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross. Their destruction, their end is destruction. Their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with mindset on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Amen. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Earlier in that epistle, Paul says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or am, am, am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Some translations translate this more literally, and it says, behave as citizens of heaven, worthy of the gospel of Christ. We have a citizenship that is from heaven. Today I want us to talk about our being, who I am. I want to talk about our belonging, where I belong and what tribe I belong to, where is my citizenship, about my behaving, how I live my life in light of who I am and where I belong. And then I want us to think about my believing, my believing in a great inheritance beyond this world. And so I want us to look at that together today. And uh, first of all, I want us to think about my, my being and getting a right perspective on my identity. Your, what, your thoughts about who you are in Christ affects how you live this Christian life. And I want to look at several scripture verses and that talks about our identity and who we are in Christ. And we need a right perspective about who we are. First of all, I am created for a purpose. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are his, say it with me, we are his what? Workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 
Did you know that you were created? You're not here by an accident. Tell your neighbor, you're not an accident. You're not. You're here by purpose. God has a plan and purpose for your life. And uh, you are his workmanship. Isn't that amazing? His workmanship. So tell your neighbor, you're a piece of work. (laughs) You are a piece of work, right? You're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, for good works. So God, he, he, you're his, his craftsmanship, his workmanship. He's created you and he's recreated you. And he's, he's caused you to be born again and he's doing his work in you. That's who you are. You are his workmanship. And you're created for a purpose. And that purpose is what? Good works. You don't work your way into a right relationship with God. But when God does his work in you, making you right with God, then he creates in you not only a new person, but a new purpose. And that purpose is to do his good works in this broken world. That is good news. And that's your identity. That's who you are. You're created for a purpose. Don't you listen to that lie that you're not important, that God doesn't have a plan for you. He, he, let me tell you this. God does not make any peons. You are important to God. Tell your neighbor, you are important. You're important to God. So you are Focus back. All right, here we go. See, I say tell your neighbor, and you go into extended conversation. Number two, I am redeemed by Jesus. I am not only created for good purpose, but I am redeemed by Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. For you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. You were bought with a price. You've been redeemed by God. You were purchased and bought with a price. Now, you weren't bought on the discount table. There wasn't a sale tag on you. There wasn't a discount on you. You weren't redeemed with Cole's cash for a discount. You were redeemed by a precious price. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter, you weren't bought with silver or gold, but you were bought by the precious blood of Christ, like a lamb without spot or blemish. You were purchased By the blood of Jesus Christ, God's own Son. Wow. The life of Jesus poured out for you. You were bought and God bought you. And God didn't buy you at a discount. He bought you by giving the most precious gift He has. His own Son's life for your salvation. You were redeemed, ransomed, bought back 
by a price that is valuable and precious. And the way that I determine value is what was spent in order to purchase it. And you are valuable to God because you were purchased by the very life of Jesus. Every one of you are valuable to Almighty God because you were bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Purchased, bought by Him. Thirdly, I am holy. This is who I am. I am not only redeemed, I am created with a purpose, but I need to have a right perspective. I am holy to God, and you are holy. Listen, look at the first Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. He says, don't live like you used to live. But as he who called you is holy. How many of y'all, how many of you agree with me that God is holy? Raise your hand. He is holy. So also, you also be holy in all your conduct. It is written, you shall be holy because I am holy. You see, you're a child of God. You've been bought by the precious blood of Christ. You've been created in Christ Jesus for good works. And you are not to go back and live an unholy life, a life in rebellion against God, a life of sin and sensuality, but live a life of holiness to the one who called you to himself. Because he's holy, he calls us to live a holy life. Did you know that God's called you holy? That's kind of amazing, isn't it? You're not buying it, are you? Tell your neighbor, you're a holy person. You know what the Bible word is for us as believers? We are called what? Saints. And that word saints comes from the word holy. So tell your neighbor, you're a saint. Now you're a... See, there goes that extended conversation again. You're one to put qualifiers on that thing. You're not a saint because you worked your way into sainthood. You're a saint because God worked in you to rank you a saint. He's the one that did it in your life, not you. So all the glory goes to him, but it has... It has a ramification for me. If the one who called me is holy and saved me is holy and worked in me is holy, then he's redeemed me that I might live a holy and different life and not like the rest of the world. Wow. Because the word holy means to be set aside, not common. And we are called holy ones. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. Mark this. A holy what? A holy nation. A people for his own possession. That you may proclaim the excellencies 
of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. There are some utensils in our house that are more holy than other utensils. Do you know what I'm talking about? For instance, if, if I need just any ordinary tool, let's say I'm out in the garage and I'm going to change the oil in my lawnmower, and I need a receptacle to catch the oil under the lawnmower, it doesn't occur to me to go into the china cabinet at our house and get out one of those bowls. Because I prefer to be married. <laughs> I mean, I was born at night, but not last night. And so I, that's not the receptacle I'm going to use. Because that is holy. That is set aside for holy occasions. But there's other utensils that just are junk and common. And that can be used for an unholy project. God has made you holy. So don't live an unholy life. He set you aside to be his own possession. And he's called you to do this so that you might proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He's made you his people so you can declare his goodness in a lost world. And that brings us to the next point about who we are. We are priests. We're not only holy to God, he says, I am a priest before God. 1 Peter 2.9 says, but you're a chosen race, a royal what? Royal what? Priesthood. You are priesthood. Now, he says you're a kingdom of priests. You're a royal priest. You've been anointed like a king, but you're a priest. And you've been given this priesthood responsibility. What does a priest do? Stay with me. What does a priest do? A priest stands in the presence of God, right? And he represents the people before God in prayer. But that's not the only thing that a priest does. A priest also represents God to the people. So a priest is one who stands in the presence of God. And he's ministering before the Lord. But he has the burden of the people on him. Jesus Christ is our high priest standing in the presence of God for us. He's there praying for us by his own stature, by his own person, by his own shed atoning death and resurrected life. He stands and makes intercession for us. But he's given us a responsibility. And we are called priests because we stand through the blood of Christ in Christ, voicing a burden to God of others that don't know Him. There's nothing greater that this church could do than say we're going to take our city 
by name and pray over every household and stand before God in the name of Jesus and pray for people in their lostness that they might turn from sin and give their life to God. There ought to be more than that little anemic amen. Amen? Amen. Let's do this. Bethel Church, let's be a kingdom of priests standing before God and praying for lostness that people might come to know God. Amen? But if that's not all, we also need to be telling them about God. Telling those that don't. See, we need to be talking to God about people and talking to people about God. And that's what God has called us to do. Amen? Let's do it. Let's be who God has called us to be. I'm a priest before Almighty God, that we might proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into marvelous light. Amen. Next, I'm a servant to people. God hasn't called you to be waited on and served, but to serve. Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, 45, Jesus said, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. Jesus came to serve us, to lay down his life for us, to die for us, to suffer for us, to serve us. And so we've been called to follow in his steps. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 9, 23, Jesus said, If any man wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his own cross, and follow after me. Jesus came to serve other people. He's called us to live a life of service and caring for other people. Amen. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 16. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as what? Servants of what? Say it with me. Servants. Servants of God. So we're to serve people, but we're to serve God. And here's the thing. When you start serving people, and you say, well, Brother Tim, they're hypocritical, and they're ugly, and they're sinful, and they're lost. Listen, Jesus came to hypocritical and ugly and sinful and lost people, and he died for us. And that's how the world knows that we're followers of Christ. And that's how the gospel rings true, is that we don't just love people that we like, We don't just love people that go to our church. We don't just love people who are like us, look like us, talk like us. We decide that we're going to love people that look different than us, talk different than us, have different values than us, and we're just going to love them and serve them, and and God will open the door for us to tell them the good news of Jesus Christ. And when you serve prisoners, and when you serve the homeless, And when you serve people that are not like you. And when we serve the indigent. And when do we serve the refugee. And when we serve the downcast. And when we serve those that are broken. And those who are addicted. And those whose lives are messed up. When we serve them. And love them. And wash their feet. And really care for them. I'm telling you. That's when the church of Jesus will make a difference in this world.
Folks, and when you serve them like that, you are serving God. Jesus said, when you do it to least of these, you've done it unto me. Let's be that kind of people. A right perspective. I'm a son of God, a child of God. We are, beloved, we are God's children now. I love that, right now. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we'll see him as he is. John chapter 1, 12 says, but as many as received him, notice, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Tell your neighbor, You are a child of God. Now, I want you to tell them this. Right now. You are a child of God right now. Today, you're his child. Isn't that good news? You are a child of God. He he loves you. The truth of the matter is we live out our identity If you think that you're not loved, then you act unlovely. If you think that you're not accepted, then you act like somebody who's been rejected. If you think that you are not welcome, then you rebel in your life. But you are. You have been loved in Christ, accepted in Christ, wanted in Christ, loved in Christ. And you have a heavenly father who loves you. Some of you grew up in a home that you did not have a father who loved you. But you have a heavenly father who loves you, accepts you, and wants you in his life. That is amazing. We live out of that. And you are also an ambassador you're an ambassador, and that means you represent God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. You get to represent God in this world, in this brokenness. You get to represent him. And so it's, it's good news. We are his ambassadors, his representatives in this world. And, uh, and, and so here's what an ambassador does. An ambassador is in another country, but he represents his home country and government in that country. And he speaks by the authority of the one who sent him. And he speaks the truth to that government or that king or that ambassador in another country. And you are ambassador of Christ. In this broken world, you get to tell this world what God is saying in a broken world. Amen? You are ambassador for Christ. Well, second thing I want us to look at today, this is our being, our identity, who we are in Christ. Second thing is, I want us to think about what, where we belong, our belonging, our citizenship. 
we have a, need a right perspective on where our citizenship is at. First of all, I belong to a holy nation. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, For your chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. When people say, where's your citizenship? You might say, and you'll be right, well, I'm an American citizen. I'm a citizen of the United States of America. Well, sure, you are. You know what? In, in my office, in a briefcase in my office, I have a passport. And that passport has the insignia of the United States of America on it. And when you open up that passport, it shows a few countries that I've visited in other countries. And I see stamps in those countries where I was temporarily allowed access into that country. But I retained my citizenship. And so sometimes when I go to a town in Europe, they, at the hotel, they collect your passport and keep it and register that you are from another country. This is not your home country. And your home country is in the United States. When I come back from visiting another country, then I go through passport control. And they may say to me, welcome home, Mr. Lewis. You are a citizen of the United States of America. It makes me sort of proud and makes me feel I'm glad to be a, I have a place to belong. I love my country. And so do people of other countries love their country. But friends, I want to tell you, my main citizenship is not here. It's in heaven. And I'm a part of the kingdom of God. I'm citizens of a holy nation. Hallelujah. And you belong to it. When you come to know Christ, you're a child of God and you're a part of his kingdom and he's made you a part of a holy nation. I belong to a chosen race, a tr chosen people. Notice he says, I belong to a chosen race. 1 Peter 2.9, For you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. In Hebrews chapter number 11, verse number 24, By faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. See, Moses, remember, he grew up in Pharaoh's house. That Pharaoh's daughter made him to be uh, uh, her son. And so he had all the privileges of being in Pharaoh's house. He... Uh, he, he knew the language, he, the philosophy, the, the finest schools. Moses is one of the most intelligent men, a man of great understanding of literature and philosophy and sciences and agriculture. He was unbelievable administration, warfare. Moses grew up as a son of Pharaoh. He had all of the blessings, all of the accoutrements, all of, the, all, all of the finery of, of a king's son. Yet listen to what he says. It says in Hebrews, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing to be mistreated with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Moses made a choice, and he said, even though I live 
like a son of a king. I am Jewish. I am Hebrew. And I identify with the people of God who are slaves because they are the chosen people of God. Wow. And it says, He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Amen. You are a child of God, chosen in Christ Jesus. Your citizenship is in heaven. You've been elected and saved and redeemed, and you belong to God, and you belong to his people. You belong to the family of God. But next, I want you to notice that as citizens, we possess something. I possess a permanent citizenship. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. My citizenship is permanent in heaven. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 13, look with me. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and have acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they're seeking a homeland. And if they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Wow. Listen, folks, this is not your permanent home. That place is prepared by God, and your citizenship is in heaven from which we wait for a Savior who's taken us to be with him forever and ever. Folks, get the right perspective. If you think right here is as good as it gets, If you think right here it's all about your citizenship and this little country that we live in, you are sadly mistaken. This is not where life's at. It's found in our citizenship in heaven with Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And finally, we need a right perspective. A right perspective on inheritance. What is valuable and what is our inheritance? We're almost done, so stay with me. This is very important. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32. But recall the former days when you were enlightened. You endured a hard struggle with sufferings. Now listen to what the writer of Hebrews says. Sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. He said, you've suffered because of your Christianity. You've been mistreated. You've had things taken away from you. Now listen. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted. Now listen, watch this. The plundering of your property. They stole your property. Since, and it says you joyfully. They broke down the doors of your house. They stole your money. They stole your job. They stole your possessions. They stole your new car that was in the driveway. And they took it because you were a Christian. And you joyfully accepted that. 
Why? Because you had a better possession and an abiding one. Because your possessions aren't here. Your possessions are there. And your possessions here stink compared to your possessions there. What would be the most valuable possession that you have? It's nothing compared to when you go to heaven. You might have a big bar of gold that is so valuable. Those are paving stones in heaven. Nothing in this world compares to the possession of heaven. Nothing. It's not only a better possession, it's an abiding one. That means it never fades away. It never deteriorates. It lasts forever. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Wow. So you have a better possession. You have an abiding possession. A permanent one. That never, ever fades away. At my house, I guess probably the most valuable thing I own is my house. My house is always needing upgrades, repairs. I've lived there for almost 15 years. I've had to put two roofs on my house. It's a mess. Water lines break, hot water heaters go out, toilets leak, flooring has to be redone, windows get broken. Am I the only one that has a house that has problems? It's like a money pit all the time. But I have a home built by the Lord. And it's permanent and never wears out. So when I have a right perspective, life's not about living here. Life's about living for him here. But my inheritance is there with the Lord. This is the way Jesus said it in Matthew's gospel. Read it with me out loud. Do not treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where is your heart? Where is your heart? Where is mine? It's where your treasure is. Is your treasure here on earth? Or is it with the Lord? Right perspective brings abundance into your life. Amen? Let's pray. Father in heaven, 
as you're speaking to us today, there may be somebody who's never come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. They don't know Him as their Redeemer. They don't know Him as Lord and Master and King. They don't feel like they're a son or daughter. And they don't feel like they have a real citizenship and a real inheritance. And Lord, today I pray that they might come and simply turn from sin and trust in Christ and experience the fullness and the abundance of life here and life eternal. Others here today, that their perspective has gotten off and they've began to lower their eyes and see just the world and not fix their eyes on Jesus, author and perfecter of our faith. And Lord, may we repent today and come back to you and make you the right perspective of our life. Father, have your way in our hearts and our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with me. You come. Let the Lord have his way. You come.